Good morning. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Well, uh, welcome. We're so glad that you all have decided to be here this morning at Flagstone. Uh, for those that are online, uh, welcome. Uh, I know you're used to seeing Marshall Brown up here. He's actually with a group of teenagers right now. I think that they have, they're either on their way to Colorado to climb a mountain or they've made it. I don't know if they're there yet or not. Yes, they made it. So they may be listening online. But uh, yeah, welcome everybody. If you're visiting with us today, we just want to say thanks for being here um, after service. Hang around. We want to get to know you, introduce ourselves, and uh, just uh, welcome you. So want to let you know a couple of housekeeping items. If you have small kids, we do have child care available back here. Um, but if you want to keep them in here, we have um, some fun bags back there. You can go bring them in. I've got colors and stuff in there. So you can go check that out if you want to. Here in a minute, we're going to do communion. And uh, we're going to worship together before that. And uh, just wanted to let you know that we'll be taking the, the bread and the juice. So be looking forward to that. Other than that, I'm going to go ahead and start us off with a prayer. And then we'll jump right into our worship. All right, let's pray together. <coughs> Father God, we're thankful uh, for today. Thank you for bringing us all in this morning. And thanking, thank you for letting us get here safely. God, we just pray that you open our hearts and our minds today to what you have to share with us. Uh, please be with Luke and help him to just speak the words that you laid on his heart. God, just to help us to remove anything that may be distracting us this morning. Help us to focus on worshiping you and just being grateful for the things that you've given us and the things that you do for us. God, we thank you so much for everything. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand up and worship together this morning. This is the season for new anointing. This is the season for a fresh outpouring, that the suns and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine. That the suns and daughters of the King of Glory may arise and shine as we declare, this is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. In the beginning God created, and for his pleasure all creation sings. Every son and daughter of the King of glory now arise and shine. Every son and daughter of the King of glory may rise and shine as we declare. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let your This is the day that the Lord has made. 
morning. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, my freshman year at Harding had the uh, opportunity to participate in some uh, club things. Um, for those of y'all that aren't a part of the, the small cult that is Harding and their traditions and stuff too, and it's like fraternities and, and sororities and stuff like that for, for Christian uh, homeschool kids like me. <laughs> um, but as, uh, as I was um, looking into clubs and I was looking at uh, the places that I would like to belong, the, the people that I want to call my people, uh, I met Luke Jackson, and he's the man that is going to be sharing uh, the word uh, from us today. Um, and so I am just, I'm privileged that uh, he and I became friends that day, and I remember sharing with him that, um, man, wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be cool if we ended up at the same church and did ministry together? Um, and so I know that you guys are going to be blessed by his words today um, as he dives into um, this next beatitude. It's in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, and it says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become sons of God. There's a problem with us. And it's that without Christ, we are not at peace with God. Without Christ and without his redeeming blood, we are living in opposition to the great king of the universe, the king that gave us breath and, and love and life. Without him and without Jesus, we live life in opposition. And so God wasn't satisfied with that. And so he sent his son to make peace with us, with his, with his creation, with humanity. And in that peace, we're able to take part in that and receive and understand eternal life and live life to the fullest. I'm going to read two more verses before we pray. The verse is in, uh, let's do Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Paul says this, it says, For in him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 16. Talking about Jesus, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. There's an opportunity 
for us to be close to God. And there's nothing that we can do to achieve that peace, to make things better. And so God sent His Son to die a terrible death on the cross to make peace for us, to make a bridge for us, to give us a place that we can access God. And that's what we do here, and that's what we do today, that's what we do in this moment every week, is we access God through Christ's blood that brought peace. And so as we take communion, as we take, as we take the bread, pray, and then take the cup, I pray that we can not just look at it as a small cracker and juice, but to see it as the body and the blood of our Savior that was poured out to make peace for us. Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker. Let's pray. Father, I don't know where we would be without Christ. Somewhere completely different. God, we would be hopeless, helpless, alone, and broken with nobody there to bind us and to heal us and to bring us close. And you weren't satisfied with that. And so, God, you sent your son, a son that you were, you were willing to sacrifice to be close to us. And, God, I'm glad that you were able to do what probably none of us could do, and that would be to, to sacrifice your only son to bring sinners close. And so, God, as we take this bread, I pray that we can understand the deepness and depravity of our sin and understand the, the great gravity of love uh, that, that brings us close to you. God, thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen. We exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, O Lord, we exalt Thee, we exalt Thee, we
Let's pray for the cup. Father, we're grateful for the, the outpouring of your blood and that you were willing to in, endure um, death. And it's hard for us to uh, wrap our minds around what it looks like for God to die. And yet we can see that in, in your son. And so God, as we, as we take the cup today, help us to remember the great, the truly great sacrifice that was made to make peace for us. Thank you, God, for everything you do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Salvation belongs to our God, who sits upon the throne.
Spikes known for a little while. You know that we're pretty blessed with a pretty strong number of good preachers. And today, I think this is Luke's first time preaching, same time. So, for those of you who know, don't know Luke Jackson, he's a guy who I've only been at Blackstone for a couple years, right? But uh, he's been in our connection group. We've gotten to know him. What we've learned about Luke is that he fiercely loves God and pursues him. And uh, so we're really excited to hear from him today. And so um, y'all are in for a treat. But uh, before he comes up, we're going to sing one more song. So please stand with me, and we'll sing this one. And Luke, you're up. What are you turning to Open the eyes of the I'm so thankful to be here. Uh, Flagstone has been immense, just a huge blessing for my family and I. And if, if you haven't met me, uh, I'm actually from Texas, but we lived in New York and did ministry for about five years. Uh, and now I'm a full-time uh, therapist here using my counseling degree. And we're just really like immensely blessed with Flagstone uh, in the couple years we've been here. My, uh, we have three daughters, Ella, Avery, and Maya. And I'll tell you what, like, it is not a chore to get our kids excited to come to Flagstone for Bible class. So we're so thankful for our time here. And I am privileged to continue the hashtag blessed series. I was trying to think of like a, one of those uh, satire hashtag blessed stories, and I feel like I have so many to choose from, so I'm going to maybe share one with you later. But I do have a different story I wanted to start off with. So in New York, we, um, I was thinking about this. Like There was a lot of things in New York that I really should have taken advantage of when I lived there, and I really didn't. I've never been to New York City, and I lived there for five years, which is ridiculous. 
Um, and I also never really had a full-fledged snowball fight, uh, which, again, ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, maybe I like would toss a snowball around with my family or with a few people, but I, I never like had 20 people just sweating and red faces, just throwing snowballs. Like, I, I never got to do that. And I, maybe one day I could go back and do that, but I never did. But in Texas, I don't know if y'all are familiar with this, when I grew up in Texas in PE, are any of you familiar with those little weird snowball, cotton ball things that you sometimes would play dodgeball with? If you see a lot of shaking no's, okay. It was a little weird. Um, but my PE teacher, I guess, ordered a bunch of like fake snowballs and we would play dodgeball, which is really interesting. And as we would play the different games, I, I kind of noticed and I, I can remember sort of a few different strategies people would take during the game. So one strategy is, you know, people would, the kids would like grab cones and like scooters and other random objects and make like this awesome barricade and just hide behind these like cones and stuff and other people even to avoid getting hit by snowballs. And they would just kind of, it was all about self-preservation for them. Um, another, another strategy would be just flat out just being reckless, just getting snowballs, trying to catch it and maybe getting out all the time and just having a red face and you're sweating profusely and you just go hard at, at, at the game and you, you just go for it. The other strategy people didn't really use as often, there was a rule in the way that we played it to where if you got your snowball and you took it all the way across the room, they actually taped a little circle on the floor um, and if you got your snowball in that circle and made it back to your, your section, you actually could call someone back uh, that had already gotten out and bring them back in. And so, so a few people, a few brave people, would do that strategy. And I'm sure, like, as y'all are hearing me say this, you're like, oh, he's preaching today. I'm sure he was one of those awesome, courageous, brave people who would try to go get the snowball and save his other people. No. Not at all. I was one of the kids who invented the igloo. Like, I was known as Mr. Barricade Igloo. Like, Luke, how'd you get the cone, and how'd you do Like, I was giving people advice on how to make, <laughs> like, protect themselves in this game, and I was just not helpful, honestly. Um, why am I sharing this with you? I think, um, as we think about blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be sons of God, I think, in a way, this story kind of reminds me of our world today. Um, when chaos is flying when conflict comes about and when, when just stress, whatever you want to call it, when, when life happens, a lot of us have different strategies that have made sense for us in our lives. We've kind of figured out what makes sense for us to, to do and to protect. Maybe it's protecting ourselves. Maybe it's trying to throw uh, whatever life serves you, throw it right back, or, or maybe it's something different. But I think a lot of us have different ways and different strategies. And the big thing I want to push right now is making peace in our world is a challenge. Making peace in our world is, is such a big challenge. If you think about it, many of our um, leaders in our culture do not really promote peace. Like if I think of a few people, I'm not going to use names because that's rude, uh, but I'm, I'm thinking of a few significant people in our culture right now, social media and the news and our, our government or whatever it may be, they aren't really promoting peace, are they? In fact, I would say our country more than ever has become very polarized. I really feel that, whether it's your political opinion, whether it's your opinion on like something as simple as toilet paper, like you're going to have a polarized opinion and you're not going to get along with somebody because they don't use the correct ply. Like we are, we are so polarized in everything and, and it, our culture does not promote peace. And if you look at the YouTube videos, the TikTok videos that a lot of the youth are watching and, and maybe also your wife that sends you TikToks all day, uh, sorry, Ashley, uh, TikTok does not promote peace either. It's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If someone hits you, hit them back so they remember not to hit you again. 
right? Our culture does not promote messages of peace, so it's really challenging to be peacemakers in our world because we're, we're, we're kind of swimming upstream. And maybe you, don't, maybe you don't take those approaches. Maybe you take a different approach. Maybe you take a quieter approach, the doormat approach. Maybe you have issues with people. Maybe you think differently than some people, or maybe you have some, some sort of hurt or conflict with somebody, but you choose to take the, the approach to where I'm not going to express this. I'm just going to put it down deep in here to where it's not real on the outside, but I'm still kind of carrying it uh, with me. And may, maybe that's how you approach conflict or stress. I'm not sure what strategy you use, but whatever strategy you use to handle stress and conflict and chaos in our world, making peace is so challenging in our world. And, um, you know, I, I was thinking about this, and, you know, I was thinking about, I, I asked myself the question, am I a peacemaker? Am I a peacemaker? And I was thinking about it, I don't have a, like, nemesis. I don't have this enemy that I think of to where, like, this is my arch enemy, I'm going to, like, be against this person, I need to get into battle. Like, I don't have that person. Um, I'm kind of in a season of life to where, like, this, I don't really have specific people in which I have that, that with. So I was just, do I check Matthew 5, 9's box? Am I a peacemaker if I don't have conflict with somebody? I, I was thinking about that. And let me just answer my own question, I guess. In short, I think no. I don't think I am. I, I think being a peacemaker, we'll talk more about how to do it, but I think being a peacemaker generally of, 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 of our Heavenly Father and, and imitating God as a peacemaker takes an active approach. It takes an active approach. And unfortunately, we as Christians often define ourselves by what we don't do more than what we do do. I'm trying not to say do-do. I couldn't think of another way to say it. Um, but we really do, don't we? we? We often define ourselves more so of, you know, I don't do this. I, I don't sleep around. I don't do drugs. I don't do this. I, I, don't, I don't curse. Like, like we, we have all these things that we don't do, but like, what do we do as Christians? Like in the world, like how do people know that we're different except by what we don't do? So I think it's vastly important as we think about am I a peacemaker to think about what activity on this earth as God's image bearer do I actually do instead of, okay, I, I lack conflict in my life. Does that make sense? I don't think we can check that box if we just lack conflict because it, it's kind of murky. So we're going to talk more about this, but I had to, that was my own heart just kind of flowing out of questioning myself, am I a peacemaker because I, I don't have a lot of that conflict. So I want to take a moment to go back to Matthew 5, 9 and just talk a bit more about what the biblical definition of peace means. Because I feel like our culture and our world often defines peace as absence of conflict. Like you're kind of at peace. Maybe it's inner conflict in which, okay, like you, you feel at peace. You're content. Or maybe it's external peace to where you don't have a lot of issues in your relationships. So in the Bible... Marshall and Brandon have mentioned this a ton of times, but the Bible actually was not written first in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew. And in the Bible, the word peace in Hebrew is shalom, and the, and the Greek word is arene. And uh, it's kind of cool uh, to nerd out a little bit and to look into this stuff, and, but basically, the word peace um, in these other definitions kind of means complete or whole, complete or whole. Uh, so if, I'm going to show you all a few verses that kind of show this word in action in the Bible. So up on the screen, you should see Job 5.24. Uh, you shall know, I just lost my place. You shall know that your tent is at peace, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. 
You shall know that your tent has the absence of conflict. No, you shall know that your tent is missing nothing. Everything about your tent is well, and also your, your fold is missing nothing, right? So here we can kind of see that this peace word is referring to nothing is missing, everything's well. Another example is Jeremiah thirteen nineteen. The cities of the Negev are shut up with none to open them. All of Judah is taken into exile, wholly taken into exile. So a lot of times in the Bible, you see a ton of repetitions, right? So in this verse, we see all of Judah is taken into exile, and then the next line is a repetition, wholly taken into exile. And that word holy is kind of like the peace word right there. So here, that word is kind of talking about like holy, like whole. Um, but also, shalom can, can extend past something just being whole or, or complete. It also can talk about someone's well-being. So in Genesis 29.6, it says, He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well. And see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. Super casual verse, kind of random. But, but I found this to, just to show like the word well, wellness, can also be in the mix of what this peace word means in the Bible. So I, I share all this. What you, I'm sure you're wondering, what, is, what are you saying? What does peace mean? Well, peace is a bit of a complex picture in the Bible, but it sort of means wholeness and wellness kind of combined. Nothing's missing. Everything's functioning properly. So this could be a relationship in which, hey, my relationship with somebody is functioning properly and nothing's missing. It's kind of wholesome and well. It, everything's well. Or it could be, you know, inner peace, right? Um, I, I feel like nothing's missing. I'm doing okay. I have wellness about me. Does that make sense? Are we kind of flowing with that? And what I appreciate about this is we are complex human beings. I think this definition of peace allows us to be complex. You know, we have emotions. We are spiritual. We have physical bodies. There's so many different ways that we can have wellness or not have wellness. And unfortunately, going back to, you know, why it's a challenge to be peacemakers in our world, I think the number one problem is sin. The number one problem on this side of heaven is sin because in our world, sin disrupts our heart's ability to have peace with other people and to have peace with God. It's this barrier, it's this fence that's in the way of of having peace. We become disjointed and unwell because of sin. We aren't at peace. Um, To achieve peace, to achieve shalom, we need to be restored. We need to be back um, with God. And I think... One glaring aspect of my lack of peace often has to do with my connection or disconnection with God. I know that, you know, in Genesis 3, we saw when sin entered into the world, you know, sin was brought in and Adam and Eve had to get kicked out of the garden. But before that, did you notice what God was doing? God was in the garden with Adam and Eve. They had this intimate, wholesome, tight relationship, and then sin was a barrier and interrupted it and and disrupted the peace. And when we become disconnected from God, we get disconnected from the source of life and the source of peace. And and I'm not trying to discourage us, but what I am encouraged by this part is God not only has fixed this this sin problem through Jesus, God has actually asked us to be peacemakers, to not just sit in a recliner and be like, thanks God for the peace. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it in my recliner now. No, God has invited us to help other people find that peace and to promote peace between in our relationships too. God has invited us to join him in that. And I think that's just so beautiful and it gets me excited. 
So I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the second half of this verse, for they shall be called sons of God in Matthew 5, 9. Uh, people who bring peace, people who are all about restoring what has been broken, re- fixing what is not well or incomplete, shall be called sons of God, shall be called children of God. The other day, uh, we were just home, and Ella um, was eating a snack. Right? I think she was eating some fruit juice or something. Ella opens up the fruit juice, gets the gummies, and just tosses the wrapper. No big deal at all. And a few minutes later, she blows her nose, tosses the tissue. No big deal at all. And then I ask Avery, hey, Avery, could I have the remote? And she gets the remote, walks over to me, and she is literally this far from me and just tosses it right in my face. Yeah, like I'm, Ashley will tell, me, tell you I'm usually dramatic, but this was a good reason to be dramatic. That actually hurt. Like it hit me square in the forehead. And I looked at Ashley. I was like, why do our kids always throw things? Why are they throwing things? What, what is this about? And then she gave me the look that I feel like all wives get together and practice together. It, it's the look. It's just like... She tells me, they throw things because you throw things. You literally throw everything in our house. And I was like, you know, that's valid. That's valid. If you've been in our house, you, can, you would notice how I could get a diaper and frisbee it to the perfect location whenever she needs it. And I think that's effective, but she, she, she gets bothered by it. But, you know, I think about it. My kids, are they throwing things to earn their right to be my daughter's? Are Avery and Ella throwing things so that I will call them my daughters? No, no, not at all. They, they throw things because they're like their dad. They throw things because they are in relationship with me. They see me doing it. They imitate me, unfortunately. And they are just like me with that. So in the same way, do we make peace to earn the right to be God's children? No, Jesus already earned our right to be God's children. But because we are God's children, it is only because of that, that we, we can be peacemakers. So how did God make peace? Well, Brandon always was already talking about this. God made peace with us through Jesus. Jesus entered the picture. He sent his one and only son to live the life that we should have lived, to die the death we deserved, and rose to life that we can raise with him and have peace with God. So you can see this in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That word justified, we have been made just. We, everything has been set right through Jesus. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Jesus entered the picture. Like Jesus entered into our world, and through Jesus we can have peace with God, restoring our relationship with God, restoring the wholeness and intimacy it ha- that we had with God. And then once we get reconnected with God vertically, our horizontal peace can increase too. So I've been talking a lot, but I haven't got to the how yet. I understand. I want to get to how do we actually be peacemakers. But before I do that, I want to offer one disclaimer. I feel like a commercial. One disclaimer I want to talk about um, is on this side of heaven, there may be situations that making peace does not make sense. Um. As I challenge all of us to be peacemakers, I am not endorsing someone to put themselves in an unsafe situation. Um, if you've been or ever been in a relationship that was, or a situation that was unsafe, um, I'm not endorsing you to make peace by getting back into that unsafe situation. And the verse I, I can't help but mention in this moment is Romans 12:18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
I'm not sure what kind of Bible you have, but as I was reading my Bible about this, I thought it was really neat that the heading in my Bible says a living sacrifice. I'm not sure if that's what yours says too. So in the beginning of this chapter, we have, you know, one of the more commonly known verses about, hey, you should uh, present yourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And then later in the chapter, Paul has this great list of, if you're looking at Romans 12, you can see how there's this huge list of, of characteristics that are pleasing to God. Like, um, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Be constant in prayer. These are like really good things that we should strive for. Um, just like in the Old Testament, when they would put an animal on the altar and make a sacrifice and the aroma would be pleasing to God, we too give our lives as living sacrifices and we hope to be pleasing to God through, through how we give to him like this. And one of these great things that we can sacrifice and be pleasing to God with is Romans twelve eighteen. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. I just really appreciate that Paul includes this verse here. Like, yes, we should go all out and go 100% to live our lives out for God, putting others' interests before our own, uh, trying to be Jesus in these tough situations, living not for ourselves, but living, putting others first and putting God first. But when it comes to making peace with the people around us, Paul acknowledges that it's a two-way street. When we try to restore the connection with somebody, when we try to make peace in a, in a situation that maybe not be peaceful, we can only do our part in promoting peace in that relationship. If the other person isn't willing to promote peace, if the other person isn't willing to be safe, if the other person isn't willing to uh, promote love in this situation, we can't force them to, can we? So here, this, what this is kind of speaking to me and to my heart is, I can, as a peacemaker, I'm going to make peace as far as it depends on me, but I can't force anybody else to do that with me. So as you hear me, as I challenge myself and as I challenge you guys, I, I just want to offer that we got to be aware of that we can only do our part. We can't force someone else to promote safety or peace or love too. So let's get to the How? I have a, th just three ways, stick with me, we're almost done. I have three ways in which we can be peacemakers on this earth. The first one I want to mention is pray. Uh, in Matthew 5, 43, if you want to follow along with me, this is later in the Sermon of the Mount, the same place the Beatitudes are found. Matthew 5, 43 says, You have heard that it was said, love, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sins rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even Gentiles do the same? We could spend all, all month on the Sermon on the Mount, and there's so many ways that we as God's people could promote peace, but there's a few verbs from that little part of Scripture that I want to emphasize. And again, like I was talking about earlier, if, if you are someone who doesn't have beef with somebody, if you don't have any specific conflicts with people, if you don't have any sworn enemies, I want you to join me in inspecting your heart to think about and pray about who are people in my life that I may not have peace with, that I may, I may not be against them, but I'm not for them, that I'm not trying to promote their well-being, that I'm maybe avoiding them. Maybe I think differently from them and I'm just kind of over here. Um, again, we are complex and messy human beings, and relationships are complex and messy. So it's natural for us to get hurt, to get rubbed the wrong way, to get our feathers ruffled from the people around us. 
So um, I wanted to challenge us, and here's the first way that we can promote peace is, is prayer. Pray for our enemies. Pray for those who, do, who we don't like. Pray for those who have wronged us. Um, think about what Jesus did. Look at Luke 23 with me. I'm going to read, again, a, a bit of a passage. This is when Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is on the cross between two criminals, and Matthew 23, beginning of verse 32, says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood there watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine and vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So Jesus is literally on the cross. He is, he is naked. His clothes have just been gambled. He is, had just been flogged to the point to where he was basically dead. He had to carry up his own, own wooden beam up this hill and he was spat upon, embarrassed, and made fun of. And on that cross, what does he do? He doesn't spit back, does he? He doesn't just, he doesn't just sit there quietly either and, just, and just, like, just take it. What does Jesus do? He prays. He took, an active, he, he took an active approach. He prays. And what happened after Jesus prayed? Well, the criminals that were there hearing Jesus prayed, one of their hearts were softened. This criminal was able to see Jesus for who he was. And we too, when we pray, when we slow down and pray for the people who have hurt us, when we pray for the people who think differently than us, we pray for the person whose comment on that post is just, if we pray for that person, not to, God, please change this person's opinion, please smite them on accident. Like, like, No, we, we don't pray that. We pray, God, uplift your will in this person's life. Please bless this person. God, I'm having a hard time with my heart with this person. With this relationship, God, show me what to do. I'm, I'm, I want to be a peacemaker in this situation, God. Show me. And once we pray, it may not be as, this almost, this almost seems instantaneous, right? When Jesus prays, heart softened. It may not be as instant as that, but in the least, over time, if we continue to pray for these sort of things, God softens our hearts. Have you ever had that happen to you before? Has God brought you to a different place mentally about a relationship? Has God showed you something that you hadn't seen before about a situation? If you haven't, I would just recommend just ask for it. Because God is pleased to have you to, to, to be like him in that way. When we pray for people, God begins to work in our hearts. And maybe peace has not, won't be able to be made with this other person, but in the least, it, with our sphere of influence right here, peace has been made, and we have a different perspective. And just think about it. Imagine if all of us did this. Let's say everyone in your workplace prayed to, be, to have peace in their relationships. Let's imagine everyone at your school prayed to have 
peace in the relationships or pray to have peace in the workspace. Imagine if our whole church did this. If we were consistently praying to God, God help me to promote peace in how I talk to people and how I'm around people and how I think about people and pray, God help my heart to promote peace in these relationships. Imagine if we all did that. I'm hopeful. I think that would be huge for the kingdom of God. I think that's a challenge too. Okay, so pray is the first way that we can be peacemakers. The second way is greet. All right, if you look back at the verse I was just reading, part of it says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you only greet your brothers, what more are you doing than other people? Do not even the Gentiles do that? So as I was thinking through this, like praying is expected. Like, yeah, like pray. That's a usual thing that you put in a sermon. But greet? Really, Jesus? Like, greet? I'm imagining Jesus, like, bringing his disciples up to him. And he, he's huddling them up. He's getting them ready to go out and do a mission. He's getting them ready. He's like, all right, guys, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Go out and say hi. <laughs> like, I, I don't imagine Jesus doing that. Like, I, I can't imagine, like, Jesus is saying, like, go, just go greet people. But he does. Jesus endorses that himself. And I believe, actually, some of these small actions like greeting people can be immensely powerful. So what is a greeting? It's kind of a word we don't use. When we greet someone, we make eye contact with somebody. We make eye contact with somebody, and we acknowledge their existence. Really, without having to use words, we basically are saying, hey, you're a human too. Hello. Um, these, again, these small actions can lead to, to big doors being opened and big changes happening. Um, in college, Brandon referred to freshman year. I got to refer to freshman year too. In college uh, at Harding, uh, my club basically forced us to participate in spring singing. And if you aren't familiar, that's just a, a musical that Harding does. And if you knew me, you probably would know I am not a good dancer. And I also cannot really sing well. And I especially cannot do both at the same time well at all. <laughs> um, so we were in one of the final practices before the real deal. We were about to have our big performance. And in one section of our show, uh, we had to like move diagonally and dance and sing. And I feel like that's just too, ma too much to ask for people. That might just be me. So we were moving diagonally and I was like flailing my arms looking really awkward. Um, and I accidentally had my hand bump into a f another freshman girl's butt. Bottom. And in my notes, I put in bold and italics, accidentally. And it's true. Accidentally, I bumped into another girl's butt um, on accidents, and what's worse, right after I bumped into her butt, I made eye contact with her. <laughs> I was petrified. I immediately, in microseconds, made the plan to avoid her, how to avoid her, to avoid any further embarrassment or further issues, and I already had the plan. I was ready to do it, and this sounds really familiar to my, my strategy in the snowball game, too. I, I got my cones. I'm ready to avoid this girl, and then she's, she's my wife. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> Ashley had different plans. Ashley is from New York. Ashley is blunt. And Ashley, after the practice, came to me and said, hey, you hit my butt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she acknowledged it. She, she made fun of me in a light way, and we ended up becoming friends, and now we have too many kids. Uh, and I, I share that story with you just to, just to share with you how, like, her acknowledging what had happened gave me so much freedom. And, and her just, just greeting me and just saying, hey, like, you're a human too. You're bad at dancing, but like, it's fine. 
um, that small action had a big, big implication. Um, and I, I also want to draw your attention to, she kind of went out of her way to acknowledge that uncomfortable thing. I think a lot of us get uncomfortable in situations socially, and sometimes God might be calling us to be peacemakers in just an uncomfortable situation. So I challenge you to, to be like that too. In high school, my youth group went to a mission trip in Midland, Texas, and we did VBSs. We got to do some service projects. Um, there was this one kid, probably about 10 or 11 years old. This one kid had wanted nothing to do with it. He would come every day, but he didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to engage in the, in the games. Adult, different adults would try to bargain with him. They would offer him snacks. Nothing was working. He would just sit on the sidelines, didn't want to talk, didn't want to do anything. And one of the other teens that was with us, um, it wasn't me, it was a different teen, um, he would walk up to this kid that was kind of having trouble, he's having a hard time, and he would just walk up and be like, sup, Jared? His, his name wasn't Jared. Sup, Jared? Hold up a fist bump. Every day. Every morning, maybe randomly throughout the day, and, and for sure at nighttime too. And this kid would reject the fist bump for like three days. So that was probably like 12 fist bump rejections, which is a lot for, for one week. And this teen just kept doing it. He kept greeting him saying, hey, made eye contact and just said, hey, and offered the fist bump. Then finally, after three days, the fist bump was completed. This kid just randomly just kind of decided to complete the fist bump. And after that, this kid kind of started to linger around this teen a little bit more. He started to sit by him at meals. He started to play games with this one teen. And and eventually, um, some of the negative behaviors that he was doing stopped. And on, on top of that, near the end of the week when we were getting ready to leave, this kid was, was so connected and felt so safe and welcomed with this teen, he was crying that the teen had to leave. And I think this is powerful because it started off with just a simple greeting. He was just saying, hey, he, he saw this kid past his behaviors. He wasn't seeing this kid as some kid throwing chairs spoiled or making a fuss. He saw this kid as a, you are made in the image of God, and you are worth a greeting, no matter what you're doing. Now I'm going to say hey to you, I'm going to make eye contact with you, and validate your existence. And he greeted him. I, I think that small action is so powerful, and I think it's powerful for parents too. I think we as parents want to change our kids' behaviors before we get on their level, and just help them to have peace in their hearts through getting on their level and greeting them and, and loving on them. We often try to fix things before we try to make peace. So, um, as I uh, move on to my, my next point, I want to mention one more thing before I get to my third point. Um, have y'all ever been in a situation to where you're in the same room as somebody, but you are working really hard to avoid that person? You, you're uncomfortable. You, you specifically don't want to greet this person. Like, you don't want to make eye contact. Why do we do that? Why do we, why do, we do that? I think that's a really funny thing that we do. Um, I think sometimes we are protecting ourselves from getting hurt or trying to protect the other person. Maybe we're afraid of confrontation. Uh, but I think also God can use, like I've been trying to emphasize this whole time, God can use those uncomfy moments to bring about peace in a big way. So I would, I would challenge you to, if, even if you just feel uncomfortable, try to greet somebody. Try to just put, put yourself out there. I think God could do some work. The last point I want to bring up of how to be peacemakers is reconcile with God first. And I'm working backwards here. Um, if we are disconnected from God, if our vertical peace with God is broken, we aren't, we're not going to be able to have horizontal peace. Um, I don't know about y'all, but um, I'm, I'm thinking of my softball dodgeball game earlier today. There was kind of three strategies, if you remember. Recklessly throwing snowballs intensely, 
hide and, and self-preserve and hunker down or risk putting yourself out there to help other people. And if I'm far from God, if I'm if, beyond the softball, uh, dodgeball game, if I'm far from God, if I don't have peace with God, if I'm not relying on God, I'm probably getting through things working too hard, anxious, but the main thing that I want to emphasize is I'm not able to see the needs of other people around me. When I don't have vertical peace with God, I forget whose child I am. I'm going to try to just work hard and earn my way through life. And whenever we earn our way through life, we have to protect ourselves. We can't afford to risk it if we are trying to just earn, earn, earn our way through life. If we're just trying to work, 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 and we don't remember that we're God's child, we're just trying to do this thing all by ourselves. And we can't risk to help other people. We can't go try to get the, the ball and save somebody else if we're too busy trying to protect ourselves. If you can relate to this, I want to give you a challenge and a reminder. When we let it go, when we let God have it and we reconnect with God and reestablish that peace, we are free. It's actually really freeing uh, to do that. And if we are instead loving other people with strings attached or we're bitter or we have tally marks of how we're loving people, then we're, that, that can be really challenging to promote peace. So Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, we were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but humbly serve others in love. If you just feel like you are just trapped behind the cones like I was, if you just feel like you have to protect yourself, and there's no way you can promote peace outside of, of, of this fear that you have or this, this anxiety that you have, you're not alone. We'd love to pray with you and walk with you through that because that's a really hard place to be in. If you feel like there's someone in your life that you don't know how to make peace with, if there's a relationship that's just broken, there's no peace in that relationship and you just don't know how to, what to do about it, I first off want to say that's a good problem to have. I'm, I'm so glad that you're considering that and, and to pray for this person, maybe greet them. But the third thing is make space for God to work. And maybe that's allowing other people in this church or in your communities to help guide you through that relationship. It's hard. It's hard to do these things. Um, it never hurts to have brothers and sisters in Christ sitting next to you, praying with you and offering some wisdom to help you get through that relationship. So I don't know what you guys need this morning. Um, I don't know where you're at as far as you've made peace, but the, the thing I want to end with is if you need to reconnect with God and reestablish your peace with your Heavenly Father, we would love to help you with that. Whether that's baptizing you and declaring you as God's son or as God's daughter, or maybe that's praying for you or walking with you through a murky situation. We would love, this church family is so loving, we would love to help you through that. So if there is anything that, that we can do, that I can do, or that feel free to come up or feel free to go back and speak with, with an elder as we stand and as we sing. Just as I
Good morning. Is that on? Can y'all hear me okay? All right. Yeah, I'm somebody's over here laughing going, you really don't need it, right? Naturally loud, it's just the way it occurs. Well, we welcome you all for being here today. If you're a guest with us today, we, uh, we hope that you'll give us an opportunity to get to, to meet you, to be able to sit and, and, and visit with you a little bit after service. We uh, have some, uh, I don't know, painful is the right word, but it is painful. Tom Treadway uh, has been placed in hospice. So we're going to remember him in our prayers. Keep Pam in your thoughts this week, um, and Scotty and Summer and Justin and Katie, uh, so that uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be a rough road for them. And so we we pray that you uh, uh, keep them in your in your thoughts. Um, we've had a couple of folks place membership. Last week we announced Grant Clemens, who's a um, a young man that's uh, decided to place membership with us. And I told Harold I wasn't going to do this, but Harold and Jana Clark and their two sons, Hunter and Logan, have decided to place membership. So if you get an opportunity, visit with them. I'm not going to tell you where they're sitting. Um, now we're very thankful you guys are here. Really, really glad that you're going to be a part of our family here. So um, we want to make sure we welcome you. If you are a, uh, a volunteer in any way, shape, or form, uh, we have another app that allows you to see what you're signed up for and when. And I don't know if we have anything that we could show on the screen for that. I know that's last second, but it's called um, uh, MSP. But it lets you know when you're scheduled to serve. Uh, and I've talked to several people who don't have that, so I wasn't sure how aware everybody was of that. So um, if you have questions about it, reach out and let us know and uh, we'll help you get signed up for that because it's very helpful. Uh, it's very helpful for folks who are coordinating um, things that are going on. So I um, wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And then if you're, uh, if you're planning to give today, we have options for that. Um, you can scan the QR code and give that way. There's um, baskets in the back uh, in the foyer that you can you could put money in. This family is very generous, as we say a lot, because you are. And with that in mind, the building you're setting in, a few years ago, um, we expanded. And, and so you, we are able to grow our capacity, not only here, but in classes. And so we've given the... Uh, the South Wing, which was our original building, over to um, the kids' ministry, and it has exploded, as we expected it would have. Um, but we got to pay for this building. And so, as we stated earlier this year in the state of the uh, state of the church a, a meeting that we had, uh, every fifth Sunday we're doing a special contribution, and that comes up next Sunday. So, we're going to ask that you uh, remember that. Think about it, pray on it this week, and if you are called to take part in that and to, to make a, a contribution to that, please do. We would, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Our objective is to get this thing paid off as soon as we can. 
Um, and that way we can see what else we can do here, how many more people we can reach. That's all I have this morning. Um, so if you'll pray with me. Our gracious Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for the family that we have here, for the love that this congregation has for each other. We are so thankful for the way that you've loved us uh, and that you've blessed this family and that you bring Christ into our presence. We, uh, we pray that everything we do here is what you want. We pray that you open the doors that need to be and that you close the doors solid to the ones that we don't. So we're very thankful that we, uh, we lean on you for that guidance. We pray that you be with Tom, be with the Treadway family, and um, we ask that you keep him comfortable. But we also pray that you bring him to you and uh, that you help those of us here on earth that, that uh, knew and loved him help us to uh, process that grief. Uh, but we also help us to understand that he is in such a better place once that occurs. So we pray that you uh, put your hand in that situation and that you uh, ease his suffering and that, um, that you just continue to put your arms around his family and, and embrace them. We thank you for the time that we've had here today. We pray that in some way we've, we've, we've done something or said something or just having the presence has uh, moved somebody to, uh, uh, to consider following you. And we pray that you uh, help us as a family to do the best we can to set our example, uh, even though we know that we fail on a daily basis. Thank you again for loving us, and we ask that you just walk with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand up and have one more before you go. Um, those of you probably know this already, it's in the bulletin. In a couple of weeks, we're going to host the Green Valley Bible Camp Golf Tournament. All proceeds go into camp. And uh, if you haven't signed up your team yet, make sure you do that. It's a lot of fun. There's no better reason than to watch uh, Marshall Brown play golf. It is a wonderful thing to hold it. Uh, but also on top of that, we're going to host uh, a luncheon after that tournament here at Blackstone. The Fabrics Doug is the person running with that, and she would probably appreciate some help. So if that's something that she would feel like you did to help and serve, please uh, touch base with Valerie. So, all right, well, let's have one more. We'll be on our way. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray, unveil our remain. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope, like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come and bring us now. We are your church, we need your power.
Build your kingdom. 